transgender people. They've certainly been a hot topic in the news recently, with politicians using transgender as a buzzword to stir controversy. Issuing a brand new ban, this time on transgender people in the military. Well, I think that sometimes we make personal choices that affect our career opportunities, and this might be one of those cases. The Trump administration plan could erase the definition of transgender. To legally define transgender out of existence by officially recognizing only a person's gender at birth. Transgenderism, whatever that is. Wait, what? I mean, language aside, that's actually a pretty good question. What does it mean to be transgender? This is Charlie and Nina, and you're listening to SD Science. In this solo episode, we're going to be examining transgender identity. We're going to be addressing a couple key questions. One, what does it mean to be transgender? And two, is there science to back transgender identities? So let's start with that first one. What does it mean to be transgender? According to the DSM-5, or the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, being transgender means that you have a marked incongruence between your biological sex and your gender identity. In order for a patient to be considered transgender, they must show a strong desire to be the, of the other gender than one's assigned gender, and a strong desire to be treated as a gender other than one's assigned gender for at least six months. It is also important to understand the difference between biological sex and gender. Sex relates to chromosomes and genitalia. Gender identity is the sense of knowing the gender one identifies with and is based in psychology. A common explanation for the disparity between sex and gender identity is that sex is between the legs and gender is between the ears. Although transgender people have been well documented throughout history in many cultures, the modern history of transgender people starts in the 1900s. In 1910, Magnus Hirschfeld coined the terms transvestite and transsexual, and over the next 10 years, became one of sexology's founding fathers when he opened the world's first sexological institute. In 1910, Magnus Hirschfeld coined the terms transvestite and transsexual, and over the next 10 years became one of sexology's founding fathers when he opened the world's first sexological institute. In 1932, he performed the first documented sexual reassignment surgery, and in 1949, Henry Benjamin began to treat transgender individuals in San Francisco with hormones. In 1968, the National Transsexual Counseling Unit was created in San Francisco as a result of the Compton's Cafeteria Riots and was the first such peer-run support and advocacy organization in the world. In 2004, on February 10th, the Gender Recognition Act became law and allowed transgender people to legally change their sex and have it recognized for the purposes of marriage and other issues. In 2018, the DSM removed transgender as a psychiatric disorder. This brings us to our first interview. I managed to talk to Dr. Colt on Friday, December 21st. Dr. Colt is a clinical psychologist who specializes in transgender individuals. Right. So my name is Dr. Colt Galmeyer, and I'm a clinical psychologist in uh, Houston, Galveston area of Texas. I am also a third-year medical student right now at the University of Texas Medical Branch in Galveston. In terms of the work that I do, you know, I, I usually try to break it down into at least three parts of clinical practice, research, and teaching. Basically, Dr. Cole is really overqualified for our high school podcast project, and we were really lucky to get the chance to speak with him. All right, so our first question um, comes straight from your, your paper that we read. You talk about mm. studies. This is kind of in yeah. the introduction of your paper. Um, mm. 
that suggests, I'm quoting here, suggests that withholding hormone treatment from transsexuals, outdated term, but may be associated with increased risk for depression and suicide, and that preliminary assessment of quality of life in FTMs indicates that testosterone treatment may improve quality of life. So we can't say definitively, because science is like this, that we have perfect proof of the validity of trans identity. Would you consider this to be evidence of an, incongru an incon ugh, incongruency between biological sex and gender identity? I mean, if by now that's not, like, agreed upon, then it's just people's bias. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. we have a ton of data. We have a ton of lived experience that's just as valid um, mm -hmm. as things that are published. So, I mean, there's, there's never perfect proof of actually anything, right? Right. Like, and so I think we're as close as we've ever been to being very clear, not only with people's lived experience, but also with science and literature about, you know, the experience of gender dysphoria. Yeah, I, d I don't think there's anything else needed. Um, I think what happens is a lot of people come to this thinking, oh, this is brand new. And mm -hmm. they think that because it's, for them, it is brand new, right? It's the first time they've thought about it or talked about it or had a conversation, right? Mm -hmm. So for them, it's new, but that doesn't mean just because it's a new thing to some people that the phenomenon is a new thing. We know that trans people exist, and we know that gender dysphoria is a common phenomenon among our population. You talk a little bit about why you think that we don't need brain studies in terms of all of the MRIs and yeah. um, stuff like that. So can you talk a little bit more about why you think that we don't need those? Sure. If there's any construct that is a mind-body construct, right? Gender mm. is it. And there are plenty of things about gender, like, that will never be measurable. You know, people want a blood test. People want all these different things, which for me is all levels of wrong. Like, mm -hmm. un it's very unethical. It's also the fundamental not trusting people, mm -hmm. right? And I think that's a, a larger issue in practice. If you go ahead and, you know, find, like, here is here is the genetics plus here is the... Um, anatomical piece and here all if all these things in line this is a true transsexual the problem is right that so if we create something like oh now we found proof oh now we're gonna test we're gonna use this as the test and so we have families coming in and saying test my kid my kid's saying they're transgender I don't believe them give me the test I want the test right mm -hmm. um, and so then if we you know and none of these things can ever be perfect because gender is not like again it's a mind-body construct it's not just located in the brain so a lot of times people will kind of do this weird double standard where if a child says that they're transgender, they're too young to know. Mm -hmm. But when they yeah. get, if a person transitions when they're older, people will discredit them because they say that they must have known as a child and this is too late for them to figure it out. Yeah, and if you're a teenager, you know, that's also like way too early, mm -hmm. right? I mean, like there's, there's no, if, you, if you ask somebody who's not supportive, they'll, they'll tell you it's never a good time. I think yeah. that just the, the general things that I say to everyone in it that, you know, I've, is we know that gender identity development, you know, happens as our, like when people can start talking, gender identity develops very early. But then the question becomes like, well, you said they can figure it out anytime. So why didn't my teenager or why didn't my grandpa or whoever figure it out early? Well, there's a lot of conditions in the world that um, make it hard to just be like, oh, I'm trans. And also the word trans, like none of these kids who I'm working with come and tell me they're trans. They're mm -hmm. saying I'm a girl and everyone else has this wrong. What I hear you saying is that we should, we should listen to trans people. <laughs> yes, that is definitely kind of a, the, the, a, a 
how do you say like the the minimum we can do? That's the least the we bare can minimum. do. Yeah, the bare minimum we can do is listen to people because why is it that this population has such high rates of suicide? No, it's not because we're crazy. It's because of the environmental conditions and responses to us and the overall stigma and devaluation of our lives and who we are. This debate over the validity of transgender people's identities has real-life consequences. More than half of transgender people have depression, and a staggering 41% have attempted suicide. Approximately one-third report smoking daily and regularly, using drugs or alcohol. 29% of transgender people report having to teach their healthcare provider about transgender identities, and one in five trans people avoided healthcare because of fear of discrimination in the last year. This fear of discrimination is documented throughout history. In 1989, celebrated jazz musician Billy Tipton died in Spokane, Washington. He bled to death from ulcer rather than seeking medical help. He was only discovered to be biologically female after his death by the coroner. So the science seems to support our ideas. It's worth noting that we cannot find any primary or secondary literature scientifically supporting the hypothesis that transgender people are medically invalid and that every organization we reached out to regarding this did not reply to our emails. So since we have no evidence to the contrary, it seems that we have no choice but to say that transgender people have the support of science.